Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bat crazy. Ah! You're the pop. It's alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell-Smith. And today, we're coming into your feeds to talk to you guys about Cuba. Cuba. Mm-hmm. Elise. La Patria. Elise, you just got back from Cuba, did you not? I did just get back from Cuba, and I had such an incredible time, and I learned so much mm-hmm. that I felt like, how could I learn all these things and not share them with the good people of the Betches Sub Podcast yes. listenership? Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything either. Yeah, so... um I would say, first of all, just so people can get a background on the trip that I went on, I went with an organization called Cuba One, which if you are a Cuban-American listening, they're a really incredible organization that basically took the birthright model, applied it to Cuba. They offer free trips to Cuba for Cuban-Americans to go to the island and reconnect with people and stuff like that. They helped uh, on my trip. They helped a lot of people connect with family members they had never met before. They helped me find the childhood house that my dad grew up in, which was a really... Yeah, that was like an amazing experience. Uh, and they're just an incredible organization. So if you are Cuban-American and that counts if like your grandparents are Cuban and stuff too, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend looking into Cuba One. Uh, the trip that I went on was a specifically female-focused trip. So I went with 10 okay. women. I did notice it was a lot of ladies. Yes. Th- so this was an all women's trip but they've had a bunch of different ones they've had literary focused ones they've done an lgbt trip which i think they're doing the next trip that they're doing is an lgbt Mm -hmm. trip too so they have like different themes Mm -hmm. for different people but i happened to go on this woman focused trip uh which was really it was really nice yeah (laughs) Uh, it was really really nice we learned a lot about just like women in Cuba and I also got to connect with other Cuban American women which was really uh, like a really special and cool experience but the things that I really wanted to talk about and just discuss on the podcast is like things are different in Cuba yeah than I thought yeah Uh, what was the biggest thing you know that like really surprised you the biggest thing that surprised me is that you know growing up as a Cuban American there are with a dad who is from like the exile community, there are a lot of like really hard thoughts about what is going on there. And it's like the people have nothing. They don't have any food. They can't, they can't speak freely. They can't do anything. They can't leave. Mm -hmm. Those are like, like it was presented to me for most of my life. Like it's a North Korea situation in Cuba. And that, is not the case. There are times, there have been times in the past where that has been closer to being the case. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's actually a really, really exciting time on the island uh, where people are slowly but surely being able to start their own businesses. They call them their uh, quintropopistas. And they're small businesses. We were able to visit a couple. One we visited was this really cool fashion boutique. If you guys are ever in Havana, <laughs> uh, it's called Dador. Mm-hmm. And then another was uh, another like fashion brand called Clandestina that Obama visited when he went to Cuba. Oh, cool. Uh, and then we also had lunch with like a Cuban woman's entrepreneur group uh, that basically it, we met a lot of people who were opening up gyms, uh, mm-hmm. starting like health and wellness centers. Like this lady was telling me that she was starting a health center that has like Reiki and mm-hmm. shit. Like people are starting businesses there and the they're doing it despite 
really aggressive policies both from their own government and from us. So it's like they're really getting it from both sides, like not being able to start their businesses. On the one hand, the Cuban government allows these businesses to happen, but they don't really let you import anything. So mm-hmm. it, well, a lot of the, the women at Dador were talking a lot about how like just to get the right thread that they need to make the clothes that they want to make is a huge pain because the government wants you to buy it from the government store. But sometimes you go to the government store and they don't, they have one, only one type of thread or they don't have any thread or they don't have any cloth. Like they don't have the things and you, you don't have any recourse to be like, well, when are you going to get them? How can I get them? Yeah. So they have to basically hire people to bring things in suitcases because you're only you also if you're caught coming into the country with like 12 spools of red thread they're going to be like what is this like why do you need (laughs) this so you can only bring like a certain amount at a time so that's one of like the biggest hurdles that people go through is trying to import things without being detected as importing them okay and then another, you know, one of the women at Dador made uh, makes these really awesome fanny packs that are like so cool. And she wanted to sell them on Etsy. So she tried to do it by like a third, like basically she had like a friend in Canada who started it and they were going to like work together to like sell the fanny packs. But just because it said made in Cuba, then it gets shut down because of our policies. Oh. So it's really difficult for these people to start their businesses and they're doing it anyway, which yeah. I think is just like a really cool testament to like the Cuban people in general and Mm -hmm. like sort of that entrepreneurial spirit and like the desire to like make your shit. And, you know, obviously they had a communist revolution there. Uh, The people who are there agree, I think, to various degrees with some of the ideals of the revolution. I mean, the situation in Cuba before the revolution was not good either. So it's like... Like, uh, but I, I found that like, there's kind of this really beautiful, like mesh between this idea of like, nobody should go hungry. Nobody should like, because like, like your value isn't tied to like your output as a worker, but also this desire to start a business if you fucking want to. Like we asked these people, you know, what is your dream? What is your idea? Like if you could have anything you wanted and none of them said like, I want to be a rich billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> they were, one of them was like, I wish that there was a fashion district in Havana where we mm. could all like, learn about each other's work and we could all like share trade ideas yeah so there is even in like their aspirational goals for their business it is still like very like community focused Mm -hmm. which is interesting i think it speaks to like a lot when like you know these our governments fight with other governments uh with like and sanctions are imposed and whatnot that the people who are affected by these are the people yes and not necessarily the leaders in charge of it exactly and that's one of the really big things that i was seeing like people talked about the time when obama came and Mm -hmm. like opened up relations they talked about it in such a beautiful way and they were just like we were so happy and we were so excited and to see trump put certain regulations back into effect john bolton is a really hard liner on cuba which Mm -hmm. i learned while i was there so trump initially was like I'm closing it down. You can't travel there anymore, which isn't true. Um, And I can talk about that more too. Uh, But he was like, I'm closing it down. We're reinstating all these problems, whatever. But then he kind of forgot about it. John Bolton gets in and John Bolton has not forgot about it. And John Bolton really 
is a hardliner mm -hmm. on Cuba. He's a hardliner on the embargo. And the embargo is a policy that has been in place for nearly 50 years. And if it was going to work, it would have worked by now. <laughs> like, and the only thing that really has worked and the only thing that really has opened people up is by allowing mm -hmm. people to come in and like spend their money. And I just feel like we have right now this completely contradictory policy that is dictated 100% by extremely conservative Cuban Americans in Miami who for the most part are a generation of people that had to flee the country when they were young. They are traumatized. That is true. Like we know my, my dad was separated from his parents for three years. That's mm -hmm. traumatic. A lot of people were separated. Families were torn apart. Like there's just trauma there. Yeah. And we're basically like, because those are the only people who care about Cuba policy. Like no one's out here advocating for Cuba policy. Yeah. So we're basically letting people who are hurt and who are traumatized with good reason dictate a policy from that place of like anger. From, yeah. And emotion and emotion and not really dictate it from a, from a place of like, okay, but what is actually going to better the lives of people mm -hmm. in Cuba? What is actually going to tear you there? You know, if, if you want to tear down the Castro regime and the communist government there, I think the best way to do that is to fucking go and do business. Yeah. You know, that's my personal stake. And it is, it is sad to go to Havana and see how beautiful it clearly was, but also that it's falling apart. Mm -hmm. Like it is. And that's another thing. Like, yes, these businesses are opening up, but there is extreme poverty. Um, there is, you know, there was a bread shortage while we were there. Flour was extremely expensive while we were there. Uh, they were telling us that after Hurricane Irma, there were no eggs. And the government said it was because the chickens were stressed. <laughs> and they're like, the chickens are too stressed out. There's no eggs. So it's like they are facing a lot yeah. of hardship. And also, like, it's just crazy to see a place as beautiful as Havana falling apart because, like, outside money can't get to them and a lot of the way buildings are being restored and a lot of what we saw so like if you go to old havana old havana is still really nicely preserved because that's a unesco world heritage site so there's un money that's mm -hmm. going into keeping old havana nice when you leave that area you see a lot of buildings that are in various states of decay and then some are really nice and a lot of times it's because somebody started a business mm -hmm. and they got a little capital like dador they showed us a before and after of the space that they were in. I mean, this house was falling apart. Now it's like this beautiful shop that I feel like looks like anything you would see in like Brooklyn or anywhere else. A lot of people who are able to have money are able to renovate their homes, but it's happening on like an individual basis. Mm -hmm. It's not like the government is able to like restore any of these things and yeah so it, it's like a very self-sufficient island in that sense yeah i mean the people there are making it work in whatever way that they can and obviously i'm coming from this from a perspective of i met a lot of people who live in the capital of havana mm -hmm. i think that we did get to see you know people who are doing super well to people who live more like normally like we did see a range but that doesn't count for like people like in the campo like who are far out yeah. like they're probably dealing with more extreme poverty than anything that I personally saw. But like, I mean, toilet paper is hard to come by. Mm -hmm. uh, they just got internet on their phones recently. Uh, it's and, yeah. Despite all that though, don't they have very good healthcare system? Yeah. So like, that's the thing is I, as a Cuban American, I just learned like 
you know, I learned our history from that perspective. There are some things that have been done right mm-hmm. in Cuba. For instance, every single barrio, which is like your little neighborhood, you have your own doctor. And Cuba's number one export is doctors. Mm-hmm. They have like the best doctors in Latin America and they kind of have a program where they like export doctors around the world. They're actually in like a fight with Brazil right now because Brazil's new guy, Bolsonaro, who's like Trump 2.0, mm-hmm. was basically like, we're not going to import your doctors anymore. But like if they want to stay here, they can like stay here. And it caused like. So now they're like in a fight because <laughs> he's, he's being shady. But basically, yeah, they have um, they have amazing doctors. The facilities are definitely not what we mm-hmm. would be used to. But in your neighborhood, you have a doctor. That doctor knows you. That doctor provides you with free health care of any he, wow. 100% free. And if someone dies of a preventable illness in that person's like network that doctor is responsible for answering to like well why did this person die of pneumonia in your barrio mm-hmm. like you have medicine for pneumonia you're a doc- you should have been able to treat that you know what i mean i also read like a, a while ago that cuba's uh treatment towards cancer specifically lung cancer mm-hmm. is like far and beyond anything else that we've come to understand and has cured a lot more they have amazing doctors. Yeah. And the University of Havana is actually an amazing university with an incredible history. That's another thing that like they have. They make sure that every kid goes to school in mm-hmm. Cuba. And prior to the revolution, there was a really big problem with just like illiteracy in general. Like people in Cuba couldn't read. And now Cuba has one of, if not the highest literacy rate in Latin America. Wow. What I would say the problem with both of those things are is like, so you're healthy and you're educated, but you can't do anything with, with that it, yeah. because you can't like you can't like start your fashion business mm-hmm. even though you're educated or like even if you're a doctor, you have to go be a doctor the way that the government tells you to be a doctor. Yeah. You know, like if they tell you like, hey, we need people in Angola, like you have to go. Yeah. You know? And that's a big problem with people who become doctors. They get like they have to travel all over kind of at the behest of the government. So it's like you get all this education, you get all this health, you're healthy, you're smart, you're you're full of all this yeah. like opportunity, but you can't actually exercise any of that mm-hmm. opportunity. And I think that is like where the system there does fail the yeah. people. And just for some further clarification, what is the government situation there now? Like I don't okay. like I know like it's not the original Castro because no. he's dead. It is not. He has passed and it's actually so one of the crazy things when you go to Cuba um, is that like you'll never see an advertisement like mm-hmm. you're not going to see any ads no billboards whatever but what you what you what you will see are like not even for like anything no not for anything so but weird. you'll see like slogans that are like socialism slogans like it'll uh-huh. be like onward toward the revolution like on the wall or like i saw one that was like a big poster with fidel's face on it that just said like fidel lives on in us and like Mm. it's like a lot of like you see a lot of propaganda which is crazy so right now basically fidel died he's dead (laughs) (laughs) he's gone his brother raul who's his little brother who's not that little yeah he's pretty (laughs) also fucking old uh, he took over as leader of the party, mm-hmm. but this dude, Miguel Diaz Canel, is the president. Okay. And so he is like, 
he he's like officially the president and Raul is kind of like the party leader. And this guy, I mean, he's still from like the Castro Communist Party. Like he was chosen. There have not been elections there in I mean, many years. If you guys yeah. before the revolution, there weren't elections either. So like, yeah. <laughs> there haven't been elections there in a really long time. But this guy seems a little bit more open to things. Like, for instance, he was like, he kind of was like, they they kept a lid on the internet for a really long time, and now they're finally able to get like Wi-Fi on their phones. If you have a foreign phone, you have to buy a Wi-Fi card by the hour and then go to a Wi-Fi park and you like type in the number from your card and then you can get on Wi-Fi for like one hour. Oh my goodness. It's, it's Is that what you did? Yeah, it's crazy. That's <laughs> what I like. Any post that I made like took me like one hour to like, <laughs> to, like get together. But um, they like he was kind of like the Internet is coming whether we want it or not. Mm. So like we can't really stop it. So they're like. The government is like dragging its feet on these reforms. But the more if the U.S. didn't drag its feet on the reforms, like if the U.S. Yeah. kind of like embraced it, it would just it's just happening. Mm-hmm. Like it's just happening. And I really like I had this uh, I had this idea that people in Cuba were like not allowed to leave. And that's the only reason why they live there is because like they're not allowed to leave. And that's not true at all. Like, they can leave. <laughs> they can leave. You have to have the money to buy a plane ticket. Yeah. And shit. You can leave. Right now, it's hard to visit the U.S. because the U.S. Embassy in Havana is closed because of the sonic attacks. Right. So if you want to go to the U.S., you have to fly to Mexico or Canada and get your visa there. Has it been proven that those were actually sonic attacks? So (laughs) something definitely happened that was weird. Yeah. But they think that the sound that they heard, that everyone was thinking like, oh, everyone heard this piercing noise and then they got sick. They think some apparently it just came out recently that they think the sound was actually crickets and might not have been related to this mysterious illness. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't a sonic <clears throat> attack. Maybe it was like something they inhaled wow. or whatever. But it was basically like a bunch of people at the embassy started feeling like dizzy, sick, mm-hmm. cloudy, mentally like something definitely happened. And I think it happened at the embassy in China, too. Someone put weed in the, in yeah, the cookies. Literally like someone... Yeah, someone <laughs> spiked the cafecito or yeah. something. <laughs> like something definitely happened, but because of that, the U.S. embassy in Havana is closed. So visiting the U.S. is really difficult right mm-hmm. now because they have to go get their visa elsewhere. And that's the whole thing for you listening at home to visit Cuba. All you have to do is American Airlines and JetBlue fly directly to Havana. You just have to go to the desk and you apply for a people-to-people educational visa. Like at the airport? You apply for it at the airport. They just give it to you, but it's $100. So if you're planning to go to Cuba, you buy your ticket, add $100 onto that because you're going to have to buy a visa. And then when you go, you just want to make sure that you are, uh, I would say stay in an Airbnb over a hotel because a lot of the hotels are government owned and that'll get you into some trouble. But you can also check. You can double check. Mm. And you're supposed to do educational activities while you're out there. So um, Cuba One partnered with this really great group on the island called Cuba Educational Travel run by really cool people who are all like our age. They're Mm. super fun. And they plan trips for like any number of people, one person, two people, whatever. They'll like hook you up with some educational experiences that you can do on your trip that'll make it. Legit. Yeah, that'll make it legit. So I would say just you can plan those on your own, but you could also go through an agency. Is it like going to a museum? 
It's like, so I feel like the Museum of the Revolution probably wouldn't count. But if you went to a museum and you hired like a Cuban guide to okay. take you around the museum, then it's like you're giving your money directly to the people. Another interesting thing about money in Cuba that I didn't know that I knew nothing about is that there are two active currencies. One is the peso. And that is what like normal Cubans like use. Not dissimilar from the Mexican peso. Not the same, but called a peso. Like Canadian dollar versus US dollar. They're just all pesos. I mean, I'm just asking the dumb questions. Exactly. No, listen. (laughs) It's it's so they've got their peso, but if you're a foreigner and Uh you're traveling, you get kooks, which are a different currency that was created specifically by Fidel when he opened the country up to tourists in the like late 90s because basically like when the revolution first happened it was funded by the soviet union the Mm -hmm. soviet union was like this is our special project we want this to work so for a while it was fucking killing like they were getting all their reforms through things are life without question got better for for the poorest on the island they became educated whatever but this was kind of all money that the Soviet Union was giving, it wasn't like actually being generated within the country. So then mm-hmm. the Soviet Union falls, the embargoes, the US doesn't get rid of the embargo. And there's basically this long period of time called the special period in the 90s where things got really fucking bad. Yeah. And they had no money and they had no gas. And like, it was like a really dire situation. So that was when Fidel was like, okay, well, people can come and be tourists here now, but their money has to be like separate. So basically they created, it's almost like the way they described it to me was like, if you visit Cuba, when you like exchange your money at the airport, that's basically you spending all your money in one go. And then you get kind of like this fake monopoly money in return that you're like exchanging all around. Can you exchange it back? You cannot. So that's the other thing. If you go, don't exchange all of your cash at once Uh because save it because you cannot exchange kooks back. Like kooks That's do kooky. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't exchange your kooks back. Like once you, once uh-huh. you've transferred them to kooks, they're kooks forever. <laughs> uh, and if you can transfer, if you're, do, if you're doing your transfer at the airport and you can go from euros to kooks or like Canadian dollars to kooks, you'll get a better like rate, yeah. but it's still an okay rate at mm-hmm. the airport. Was it's, everything like, uh, cheap yeah things were yeah things are like super cheap in comparison Mm -hmm. i didn't even spend like all the money that i had brought but i guess i just wanted to say what i want to do this special episode on is that like a lot of the ideas that maybe you have about cuba or what's going on there or that i have uh things are really really different it's a Mm -hmm. place that you can go to it's a place that you can visit um it maybe takes like one or two extra steps than Mm -hmm. you normally did um and that you know Keep Cuba and Cuba policy in your thoughts. Like I know when I came back, I was like, now I'm kind of looking for a 2020 candidate who has a stance on Cuba Uh like that, like a person who actually came out and said something about Cuba. For me, that's something that would like, I'm going to try to push for that in whatever way that I can or like ask that question when Mm -hmm. I can ask that question. Because right now the policy is being dictated by a very small number of people who I don't think for various legitimate reasons, I don't think are able to like fully yeah. accept like where Cuba's at now. And Cuban policy was very much in the discussion leading up to the 2016 election because of Obama yeah. putting the embargo and then Trump saying you put it back and Clinton saying she would like work harder to further our relations with Cuba. Yeah. 
So and maybe there's a way we can bring that topic back into the discussion. Yes. And today, the day that we are recording this in the morning, there, there was a tornado in Havana that like injured over a hundred people. And I think it killed like two or three people. And that is just the kind of stuff like, luckily everyone that I knew who I made friends with was okay. But like, that's just the kind of stuff where like that happens to Havana a couple times. And this really beautiful place is gone Mm -hmm. because it is falling apart. And like, if we don't, and it is a historical and gorgeous and like wonderful place. And if people don't start paying attention to Cuba and if people don't start thinking about it and trying to enact a policy that is kind, yeah, we're going to lose Havana. Mm-hmm. It's falling apart. Mm-hmm. Like, and there, and the people can only do so much to preserve yeah. it. And so a way you can help is just to go and visit. Yeah. A way that you can help is to go and visit, to go to Dador or Clandestina mm-hmm. or stay at a, a, the Casas Particulares, which are like Airbnbs. And, and then, you can get yeah. them on Airbnb and to just do that. And then to look out for people who are advocating for a smarter mm-hmm. Cuba policy. And I'm sure the food is dope. The food is dope, but what I will say is that they don't have all the ingredients mm. that they necessarily need to make the food be the dopest it could possibly be. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel I feel like, you know, it could be even better. I will say that you're never going to drink a better mojito. And mm. I drank so many mojitos. <clears throat> many mojitos? Many, many mojitos. Nice. Um, yeah, and if, if any of you are ever looking to go to Cuba and you want me to connect you with some cool people on the island, please let me know. And there just, uh, Fuerza Habana. <laughs> All right, well, that's that's our special episode, yeah. guys. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Smith. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast. Hey guys, I just wanted to give you a quick update because after Brian and I recorded this episode, uh, me and some of the women who I went to Cuba with, with Cuba One, have started a fundraiser for tornado relief. Uh, the day that we recorded the episode, we had just found out that a tornado had hit Havana. And in the ensuing days, we kind of found out that there was like a lot more damage uh, than we thought. And it's just it's really hard for them to rebuild for a lot of the reasons that we discussed in the episode. So we are raising money so far. We've raised over $4,000. Our goal was 5,000, but I think now sky's the limit. So you can find that fundraiser, uh, on all of my social media pages. So on Instagram, I'm at Pandalise. That's P A N D A L I S E. And on Twitter, I am Elise Navidad. That's A L I S E N A V I D A D. Yes, I did it. And, uh, Hey, if you end up following me after, you know, that's just sometimes that just happens. But um, I'm not doing this for followers. I am doing it for money. So please go and donate everything that you can. Uh, any little bit helps. Thank you. Betches.